Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Well, howdy. So good to be here with you guys here at FaithBridge. I um. I just always love the opportunity to be here. This church has been so supportive of me over the last several years. And so I just love getting to come back and be be with you all. I want to start by just telling you about this very unfortunate decision that I made about five years ago. I decided to uh, drive from Austin to Dallas Uh, without my wife, but with my two boys, Noah and Andrew, who at the time were two and a half and five months old. I thought that that would be a no-brainer, no problem. I was wrong. (laughs) So we started making our way from Austin to Dallas on I-35, and everything was just perfect. I mean, I was crushing it as a dad, driving kids that were asleep. Uh, But then (laughs) they woke up. Felt like it was time for lunch. We had made it all the way to Temple. And so we decided we would stop for lunch at Chick-fil-A. And as I was sitting there in the parking lot at Chick-fil-A, I just thought through everything that needed to happen in order for me to get in and out without dying. And so I really processed through all of it. And then I got out of my car, and I just looked like a circus, okay? I had uh, Andrew, my five-month-old, in a car carrier, I had Noah in this hand, I had a diaper bag slung over my shoulder, and you could just see the pity on the Chick-fil-A workers' faces. They were like, my pleasure, you know, they're just doing that thing. And so we go in there, and we're, we're eating our meal, and man, everything is just perfect, until right there in the middle of lunch, my five-month-old poops. And so we're sitting there enjoying our lunch, and that just got put on hold, and so just try and think through, okay, what needs to happen? Clearly, this guy's going to need to be changed. And so I gather up everything from the table, and we make our way into the men's restroom in Chick-fil-A. And I, I don't know what it was that day. I don't know if the stars were just aligned, but it's like every man's bladder was synced up at that moment, and they all converged on the bathroom. And so I'm in the Chick-fil-A bathroom with every other guy in Chick-fil-A in the bathroom, and I have the changing table down with my five-month-old Andrew uh, on it. Noah is right next to me. And I am just ferociously cleaning this kid with, with baby wipes. Well, right in the middle of cleaning him, he decides to just flood the changing table. <laughs> and as he floods the changing table, it was like he did that, and then I used my last wet wipe, and I was out. So I just found myself in this moment where I was stranded. I mean, just holding this bare-bottomed kid up with nowhere to put him. There's no changing table left because that thing is in standing water. Not water, but it's standing. And uh, there's just... there. I. What do you do? And so all I do is look, look left just in time to see my... Two-and-a-half-year-old Noah playing with the urinal cake. (laughs) So let's talk about stress this morning. (laughs) 
You know what I felt in that moment? In that bathroom, I felt stressed, I felt overwhelmed, and I felt out of control. And maybe you've never been stranded in a Chick-fil-A bathroom with a flooded changing table and a bare-bottomed kid. Maybe you have. But if you have more to do than time to do it, if the, the budget just isn't adding up, if you cannot seem to land a job, I wouldn't be surprised if the feelings are the same. I wouldn't be surprised if there are many people in this room who feel stressed, overwhelmed, and even out of control. Here's the good news for you this morning. We're going to look into the scriptures, and I want to show you a story this morning which is going to drive home the point that stress isn't inevitable. It is actually optional. Stress isn't inevitable, it is optional. And we're gonna make our way through this story and at the end of the story, Jesus is going to ask each one of us a question and you need to know your answer to Jesus' question will determine whether your life this week will be chaotic or calm. It will really determine whether this week or this month as you navigate the stressful areas of life, it will determine whether you feel pressure or peace. Stress isn't inevitable. It is optional. So if you have a Bible, I want you to join me this morning in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Let me read you verses 35 through 38 because it will kind of set the scene for us. It says this, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. <clears throat> and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are Perishing. So here's the scene. Jesus and his friends get caught in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. What you need to know is the Sea of Galilee is located about 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by hills. So uh, a frequent rush of wind and the right mix of temperatures can cause a storm to come suddenly on the sea. Storms on the Sea of Galilee are known for being sudden and violent. So Jesus and his friends... Uh, find themselves in the midst of a very severe storm. Now, uh, what I want you to think about is who Jesus' friends are. The, the 12 disciples, not all of them, but the majority of them were professional fishermen. So these are guys who had had their office on the lake. These were boat guys. These were guys who were no strangers to storms. But in this particular moment, I believe that these guys are in a storm that they've never been in. And the reason that I say that is that in this moment, we don't see any of Jesus' disciples sitting around saying, yeah, been here before, seen this before, we just got to hunker down, wait this thing out, and it's going to blow over. No, this seems to be a different type of storm. It seems to be an I think we are going to die type of storm. 
And so in this moment for these professional fishermen, as water fills the boat, stress fills their souls. Why? Because for the first time possibly on the sea, they feel out of control. And it shows us something very important about stress. And I'm going to give you four key truths you need to know about when dealing with stress in your life. This gives us the first key truth. It's this. At the root of stress is a lack of control. You realize that, right? At the root of stress, it's a, it's a lack of control. Stress is simply the fear that comes when you can't control what's happening or how an aspect of your life will play out. So just think about what you're stressed about right now. If you have more to do than time to do it, why are you stressed? You're stressed because you can't control time. You can't create a 30-hour day. You can't cause time to move slower. If you're stressed because you don't have enough money, you're not making enough money, the reason you're stressed is because you can't control the rate and the amount of money coming in. So just think about this. What is causing you stress right now? Is it, is it time? Is it the amount of stuff you have to do? Maybe it's a loved one's health. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have and you're concerned about how someone is going to respond to that. You know, that's the, you know what's at the root of that stress? It is a lack of control over how things are going to play out. The second key truth you need to know, and you're going to love hearing this, God will intentionally lead you into situations you cannot control. No one's saying amen to that. Okay, great. <laughs> God will intentionally lead you into situations that you cannot control. Do you remember whose idea it was to go across the lake? It was Jesus' idea. He's the one who said, let us go across to the other side. And uh, I could be totally wrong, but I just don't think it's coincidence that Jesus suggests going across to the other side of the lake at the exact same moment that the greatest storm these guys have ever seen takes place. Now, I think that Jesus was very strategic with timing. And I think that his suggestion or his command to go across to the other side was perfectly Time. I believe that Jesus led his friends into the storm. And the reason that I believe that is because if you take any time and read this book, you will see that God often intentionally leads his people into situations that they cannot control. Think about Joseph. Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. The nation of Israel was led up to the, to the banks of the Red Sea. It was a dead end while Pharaoh and his armies are rapidly chasing them. Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. Zechariah and Elizabeth were barren and old. God intentionally leads his people into situations that they cannot control. You need to know God will lead you into situations that you cannot control. 
There will be moments where you cannot control your circumstances or how an aspect of your life will play out. Here's the problem with that. The problem is that, is that many people here are control freaks. And some of you guys are budding control freaks. Some of you guys are in full bloom, all right? And you know it. So you need to have every single aspect of your life under control. You need to have your spouse under control. You need to have your weight under control. You need to have your appearance under control. You need to have your kid's behavior under control. You need to have your kid's hairstyle under control. You need to have your bank account complete. You need to have every aspect of your life under control. And if that's you, let me just remind you of what your life will be like. And I've used this example before, so if you've heard me give it, this is just, I just need to remind you. Keep putting this back on your radar. But if you are a control freak, if you have to have every aspect of your life under control, it will be like trying to carry a big pile of laundry. It is. I don't, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just think about it. You, you do a lot of laundry, and you go to the dryer to get your clothes out. And what do you do? We, we scrape the inside of the dryer. And we aim to get every article of clothing into our arms. And so when we feel like we have somehow gotten our arms around every single thing in the dryer, what do we do? We begin to make the walk to the couch. And, and as we are walking to the couch or to the bed to drop off the laundry, we just get this deep down sense to look back, right? And when you do, what do you see? Sock down, man down. It, and this is when we show our brilliance. <laughs> I don't even need to finish this story. You know where it goes. But this is where we show our brilliance, because instead of taking the laundry, dropping it off at the couch, and going back, no, we developed this very noble, no sock left behind. <laughs> and so what do we do? We begin to back up. And then you do one of two things. You either try and balance the entire load on one arm to pick it up, or you think you're Pele, and you can somehow get it with your foot and flip it up. And just as you're reaching down to get that sock, what happens? That pair of whitey tidies falls. And shame on you for never switching to boxers or briefs. But anyway, that will be your life if you have to have everything under control. It will be. Just as you think you have everything together, something else will fall. That will be your life. God will intentionally lead you into, into situations that you cannot control. And I think that that begs the question, you know what, if God loves us, why would he do that? Like if God truly cares, if God truly loves us, why would he lead us into situations and circumstances that we cannot control? And I promise you, I'm gonna answer that question before I'm done today. But let me give you the third key truth you need to know when dealing with stress in your life. Here it is. You don't have to be in control because Jesus already is. 
you don't have to be in control because Jesus already is. Look at how things play out in Mark chapter 4. It says this. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to, one another, said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus wakes up, he stands up and he commands the waters. And what does he say? He says, peace, be still. And I need you to know that that translation does not do what Jesus is saying. It does not do it justice. Because the, the Greek word that's used here is the same word that Jesus uses when he casts out a demon back in Mark chapter one. The word he uses literally means be muzzled. Like putting a muzzle on a dog. He's in a sense saying, be muzzled, shut up. That's what Jesus is saying to the storm. Be muzzled, be quiet. When I, uh, when I read this story, I couldn't help but think of this TV show that used to be on called The Dog Whisperer. I don't know if you ever saw that show. If you haven't seen it, it's this TV show of this uh, renowned dog trainer named Caesar Milan. And uh, Caesar Milan would go in and train just these unruly dogs. And so you'd see these like this, this montage of this dog that's like barking and biting and eating an entire couch and just it just out of control. And then Caesar would walk in and just look at the dog and be like, hey, hey. And the dog would just stop and do the head tilt and then like fall over and die. Not really. <laughs> but I thought about that and I was like, that's what Jesus does here. He's the sea whisperer. He just stands up and he's like, hey. <laughs> and in a moment in time, it goes from chaotic to calm because Jesus steps in. You want to know why Jesus was able to sleep during the storm? Please don't miss this. You want to know why Jesus was able to sleep during the storm? Because he wasn't threatened by the storm. He was already in control of the storm. Those same waters were formed back in Genesis chapter one, simply by God saying the word. Surely they could be calmed in the exact same way. Jesus steps up and simply says, simply says the word, and in a moment in time, the waters go from chaotic to calm. Let me just ask you this. What if the great calm of the sea could become the great calm of the soul? The Apostle Paul actually shows us the way. He shows us the way in Philippians chapter 4. Maybe this is a couple verses that you have memorized before. If you don't have them memorized, I encourage you to memorize them this week. But Paul says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see what Paul is saying? He starts out by saying, do not be anxious about anything. This is not a strong suggestion. 
Paul doesn't say, I encourage you not to be anxious about anything. He says, do not be anxious. You know what that is? That is a command from God through Paul to you. That is a command. So to, to not do that is actually disobedience to God. To be anxious is actually disobedience. Have you ever thought about that? Because God has commanded you to not be anxious about about anything. And I don't know what your Bible looks like, but at least in my Bible, there's not an asterisk after the word anything pointing me to a footnote at the bottom where Paul gives caveats to stress and anxiety. At least my Bible doesn't say, do not be anxious about anything, asterisk, caveat, except for when you don't have enough money, except for when you don't have a job, except for when a loved one is extremely sick. No, it's do not be anxious about anything. But then Paul turns a corner and he goes from telling us what not to do to telling us what to do. He says, but in, but in everything, in everything, everything means anything. If it's stressing you out, God cares about it. But in everything, it says, by prayer and supplication. Let me just ask you, whatever's stressing you out right now, have you invited God into it? Have you acknowledged it before God and have you invited his presence in? Paul says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. And then he says this, he says, with thanksgiving, that's huge. But it also seems out of place. It seems out of place to say with thanksgiving before it says make your request known to God. No, it seems like the right order is you make your request known to God. When God answers your request, then you, then you say thank you. No, Paul's saying you say thank you in the middle of the stress and the chaos. Think about what thanksgiving can do to be thankful for what God has already done, to look back and remind yourself of God's faithfulness in your life. Because when you look back and you thank God for what he's already done in your life, it reminds you that he is faithful and not just faithful, it reminds you that he is capable of dealing with whatever is going on. But you don't just thank him for what he's already done. Try this, try thanking him for what he will do. Have you ever done that before? God, I just wanna thank you in advance for how you are going to step in and deal with this situation. It might not look how I want it to look. You might not answer my specific request in the way that I want it answered, but I thank you in advance that you will show up and you are at work and you will do something. Make your requests known to God. And then we have this promise from God through Paul to us. Here is a promise from God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Before I moved to College Station, I lived in Waco for four years. And um, when we moved to Waco, we, uh, we moved into a, a house where I ended up officing out of my bedroom. I, I, worked, I worked by myself and I worked from home out of my bedroom, and uh, that just means that I got to be close to my family, which was a beautiful thing, 
and then there were times where it was a stressful thing. Uh, my ministry is uh, the ministry that I was leading would meet on Monday, Monday nights at 9 p.m., which meant that 6 p.m. on Mondays was go time for me. It was zero in, get set, get ready, make sure I have my heart and mind around what I'm going to be teaching to uh, the students that, are, that I was about to lead. Unfortunately, 6 p.m. was also meltdown time for my kids who were about three and one. And uh, so 6 p.m., chaos would just erupt in our house. Thankfully, miraculously, uh, a friend of mine gave me a gift, and it was a pair of $200 Bose noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> and so 6 p.m. would hit, chaos would erupt, and all I had to do was flip a switch, and my house would go from chaos to calm. I mean, it didn't matter. Food could be flying, diapers could be exploding, and there was just complete peace. This makes me sound like a really bad husband to end at. <laughs> I realize that. But all it took was flipping a switch. You want to know how to flip the switch on your stress this week? Paul tells us, present your request to God. You know what he's saying? Don't miss this. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, look upward instead of inward. That's how you flip the switch on your stress. Look upward instead of inward. You realize that stress is just a, a distress signal from your soul that you're looking inward instead of upward. God will put you in situations you can't control for a reason. Flip the switch. Look upward and instead of inward. That brings me to my fourth key truth you need to know when dealing with stress. Here it is. When you can't control life, you have two options, fear or faith. Put another way, you can turn inward or upward. You need to realize the normal and natural response to a lack of control is fear. That's all stress is. All stress is, is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of the result, fear of how things will play out because you don't have control. Fear was the disciples' response, but we know that there was another option. We know that because of the, the question that Jesus asked. What did he ask? He says, why are you so afraid? And in one translation, it says, where is your faith? See, there's two options. That's why I say that, that stress or fear isn't inevitable. It's optional. The disciples had the option of faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ was in their boat. The one who just has to say the word was in their boat. The Prince of Peace was in their boat. Maybe God brought you here this morning so you could simply hear this truth. Stress isn't inevitable. It is optional. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one who just has to say the word, is in the boat of your life. And he cares. He cares. So I think that the story is so relevant to our lives because one of the disciples runs to Jesus and says, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? Isn't that, isn't that a statement? Do you not care that we are perishing? And I think that that relates so closely to us because maybe you've sat there in your stress when life feels out of control and you have said, Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care that my life is falling apart? So let's answer the question, why would God lead us into situations that we cannot control? Here's the answer. Because it gives him an opportunity to show up. You want to know why God might lead you into situations you cannot control? Because it gives him an opportunity to show up and to display his goodness and his power and his greatness in your life. Think about it. Joseph was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. Slavery. God showed up and moved him into the number two position in all of Egypt. Nation of Israel was backed up against the Red Sea. What did God do? He showed up and split the thing in half. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. What did God do? He preserved him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. What did God do? He sustained them. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and barren. What did God do? He showed up and gave them John the Baptist as a child. God loves to show up. He cares. He wants to invade your life and, and give you displays of his goodness and his greatness and his power. It might not be how you want it to be. He might not show up in the exact way you want him to show up. But I'll tell you this, when he does show up, it can lead to deeper places of intimacy with him. Let me just say this. What if God knows that there is more joy waiting for you in dependence than in control? Just think about that. What if God knows that there is more joy waiting for you in dependence than in control? God cares. And if you ever doubt that God truly cares, all you have to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to know if God cares about your peace, all you have to do is look at the cross. Paul tells us this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You want to know if Jesus cares? All you have to do is look at the cross. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead to give us peace. When Jesus was on the cross, he declared, it is finished. And you know what that was? That was him declaring, be muzzled, shut up to the storm of sin that was threatening our lives with eternal separation from God. Jesus came to give us peace. I want to finish this morning by simply focusing for a moment on, uh, on Peter. I don't know if you noticed in the story, but the story gave great detail. Like it talked about the other boats that were on the water. It talked about the stern of the boat. It talked about the cushion that Jesus was sleeping on. You know what this was? This was an eyewitness account. But here's the interesting thing. Mark, the author, wasn't an apostle. He was not an eyewitness of these things. So whose eyewitness account was Mark recording? 
he was recording Peter's account. And I, I don't know this for sure, but part of me just wonders if Peter was the one who ran to Jesus and said, do you not care that we are perishing? It sounds like something Peter would say. Peter was always the first one to talk, and there were a lot of times when he should have not talked. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Peter who said that, but what we do know is this question, do you not care that we are perishing? It represented the sentiment of every disciple on the boat. So think about that. Whether Peter said it or not, that's what he thought. Jesus, do you not care? How meaningful that years later, Peter was able to write this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. I just wonder if when Peter was writing that and he said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, I wonder if he pictured Jesus' mighty hand stretched out to the sea as he said, peace, be still. Peter writes, humble yourselves under those mighty hands. Cast all your anxieties upon him. Why? I know he cares. I know he cares for you. A couple years ago, I was dealing with uh, just a lot of anxiety in my life, and so I went to see a biblical counselor. A biblical counselor is someone who simply opens the Word of God and kind of speaks truth into whatever your situation is at the moment. And so guess where we turned? We turned to Mark chapter 4, and we looked at a story, the story that we just read, where there was a group of people who believed that they were on the verge of death, that they were at that moment where they were going to lose their lives. They were seeing their lives flash before their eyes. And that's the story we read. We read the story of these men thinking that their lives were about to end and Jesus steps in and brings peace. But before our session ended, the counselor didn't just close the book after Mark chapter 4. He actually took us to Acts chapter 12. And he showed me something about Peter that I've never noticed before in Acts chapter 12. See, in Acts chapter 12, uh, at the beginning, King Herod kills James. And he sees how much it pleases the people that he arrests Peter with the intention of doing the same. We're left to assume that Herod's plan is to put Peter to death. And so as Peter is in jail that night, we are left to assume that that is his last night of life. He is literally on the verge of being put to death. And as Peter is in the midst of a different storm where his life is on the line, Look at what we find him doing in Acts chapter 12. This is beautiful. It says this. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out to do what? Most likely to kill him. On that very night, Peter was what? Sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off. I think that this is hilarious, because Jesus had told Peter after his resurrection, you follow me. And Peter took him so seriously that when a different type of storm was raging in his life, when his life was on the line, just as Jesus slept on that cushion, Peter slept chained between two soldiers. And I don't know if you realize, he slept like a baby. It says that angelic light shone in the room, and that didn't wake him up. The angel comes and stands next to him. That doesn't wake him up. When I was a little kid, and in the middle of the night, I would come down into my parents' room, and I would just stand next to my dad. I didn't touch him. I just stood there and stared at him very creepily. And my dad would just sense my presence, not even wake up, just pick me up and put me in the bed. An angel stands next to Peter and gets to the point where he has to strike him to wake him. That's a good night's sleep. <laughs> Why? Because the calm of the sea had become the calm of the soul. The calm of the sea had become the calm of the soul. Peter didn't need to be in control because Jesus Christ already was. So I'll close by just saying this. If, if the goal is to be able to sleep peacefully when death approaches, can we agree that the majority of us aren't there yet? If the goal is to be able to sleep peacefully when your life is on the line, it's possible that many of us aren't there yet, and that's okay. But you know what? Take a step. Let's just, let's just take a step this morning. Jesus' question to you this morning in the midst of your stress, as you, as you feel stressed out, out of control, and overwhelmed, his question to you is, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith. See, stress isn't inevitable. It is optional. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, the one who just has to say the word, is in the boat of your life. So choose faith, not fear. Put a different way, look upward instead of inward. Let's pray together. And let me just give you a moment right now. I don't know what it is in your life, but if you feel, if you resonate with this at all, if you feel stressed out, overwhelmed, or out of control, would you just take a minute before you even leave this place and just acknowledge who's in the boat of your life right now? And just tell Jesus what you know to be true right now. Just say, Jesus, I choose faith over fear. Just tell him what you want to do. Say, Jesus, I want to look upward instead of inward. And why don't you thank him in advance? Just say, Jesus, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do and how you're going to show up. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care 
I think that that question that the disciples asked really resonates with us. Do you not care that we are perishing? But Lord, according to Peter and according to your word, you have demonstrated not just your word, all you've done in our lives up to this point, the fact that we are still alive today is evidence that you care. So Lord, I thank you that your shoulders are strong enough to carry any burden that we have. And thank you that we don't have to be in control because you already are. Lord, I, I thank you that there is more joy waiting for us in dependence than in control. But I pray for my friends here and I pray for myself because this is a message that I need to hear in the midst of just a lot going on. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would leave with a peace that surpasses all understanding because you guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We need you, Lord, and we love you. Thank you that you are, in fact, the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Bible teacher Timothy Atik from Breakaway Ministries, and he just talked to us about stress. Where is your faith? A great sermon from Mark 4. Such Thanks. a good Thanks. message. You know, I was reading actually this week that studies show that we're the most anxious yeah. people in, yeah. uh, in history, <laughs> that we don't handle stress so well. Yeah. And so your message is like, I know uh, the people nodding around me. And for me, um, as I listen to it, um, just how out of control we can feel and how mm -hmm. stress can weigh on you and just control all the parts of your life. So a very yeah. timely message. Um, we did have a couple questions come right. around, so I'm just going to jump right into them. Cool. Uh, the first question is this, the disciples had been told many parables and witnessed many miracles. Why are they still shocked that he can control the wind? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I don't... I don't know why I can just say I'm thankful that they were mm -hmm. because I think that their lives are a perfect example of our lives. It's a perfect example of the nation of Israel, how God would show up and then the next day they were, they were either doubting or complaining. And then when I look at my own life, man, God can come through. And then the very next day I'm either doubting or stressing out. I think about when my son Noah when had to unexpectedly go into the NICU when he was born for eight days and God just showed up in a great way. And then the next week I was stressed out or doubting or, and it's like, that is the rhythm of our lives is if, if God just showed up once and that sustained us for the rest of our lives, we would all be perfect Christians, but we all live in this perpetual cycle of stressing out, even though God's shown up doubting that God is good, even though he's given us a hundred he's given us a million gifts today that we don't even realize. And so I just think that they were normal human beings Relatable. who <laughs> yes. I can look at and say, they get me. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So. That's so good. Um, and in this passage, Jesus calms a storm 
and he demonstrates his power. And so we know that God can calm the storm and meet us in the storm. But what about the times that he doesn't calm the storm for us? Yep. Um, when the sick one that we're, we're praying for, who we love, they pass away, or yeah. um, the outcome isn't what we would want it to be. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to someone who's in that situation? Yeah, I would just say, I get it. It, it makes sense why you'd ask that question. Um, you know, one of my favorite verses, probably my favorite verse when talking about just trials, is John 16, 33, where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And I love it because it. I think a lot of times we can get caught off guard when, when stuff really goes wrong in our lives and we want to look at God and say, why would you let this happen? But I think Jesus, who is God, is like, I, there's no clearer way I could have put it. I told you, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And so what Jesus is really saying there is don't expect to have your best life now. Don't expect for everything in your life to be completely synced up and for everything to be as it should be. But as believers, we are those who have hope. Even in the midst of tragedy, we are those who don't grieve as if we have no hope. We are those who grieve with hope because we know that Jesus has overcome the world and a day is coming where all of creation will will be synced up and it will be as as God intended it to be. So my answer to that question is, yeah, we live in a broken and busted world. And it's easy for me to just say that as a blanket statement. But when dealing with someone's reality, that is a very tough statement for to just slough it off to being a broken, busted world. But God hasn't promised us that everything will be right now, but he has told us that a day is coming, Revelation 21. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more death. The, the old is gone. The new has come. And so we're Christians not because we want Jesus to, to make our lives now perfect. We're Christians because that's the, that, that's the only answer if we want to to experience the life that we truly want. It's only found in Jesus and that day is still yet to come in the future. It's so good. And I love how you brought it back to Peter at mm -hmm. the end and yeah. how we see him fumble and make these mistakes that we can relate yeah. to and then how God redeems him and how his yeah. faith grew and how you challenge us that maybe we're not, we're not ready to face death yeah. asleep, maybe yeah, how Peter yeah. was, but to take that next yeah. step in growing that way. Yeah. So uh, yeah. thank you. It's such a timely message, yeah. and we love having you yeah, here at Faith thanks Bridge. thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for joining us here, and thanks for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.